As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by LKELive.com. LKELive.com is a brand new website specifically designed for up-and-coming comedians. If you are an up-and-coming comic or thinking about starting stand-up comedy, go to LKELive.com. Click on Comic Opportunities. Fill out the information, and within 24 hours, LKE Live is going to get back to you on the nearest open mics in your area to help you get on stage. And if you're thinking about booking a comedian for your next big party or private event, go to LKELive.com and click on Book a Comic. Only at LKELive.com. Oh, shit. Let's start this. Cue music. Can't touch this. Oh, shit. Can't touch this. Um, is this the only song that MC Hammer, like, came out with? Because he's had to have come out with more songs, but this is the only one that's, like, a massive Are hit. you calling him a one-hit wonder? Is he? He's got Too Legit to Quit. You don't know that, do you? Sure. You never heard Too Legit to Quit? Of course. Who hasn't heard You're lying, uh, huh? Too Legit to Quit? You're lying, aren't you? I was saying, do you think that's a... It's sort of like selling your soul to the devil to be like a one-hit wonder. You get this one big thing, and then you get a massive amount of money. Like, how much money do you think he made off that song? Like, $50 million? Oh, I still think he's making money off that. Yeah, of course. And isn't there another song that has, like, this a similar beat? Or maybe that was Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby right, and, and uh, the Queen song. Right, 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 right. Yeah, they're like, one of them sued the other one or something like that. Yeah, well, Queen came first, of course. But uh, anyway, yeah, MC Hammer, this song is still making money. They still use it in movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. on the air, everywhere. I bet you he still makes money off that. Must that be was... nice. But I mean, no, he had uh, he had Too Legit to Quit and some other stuff. I'm sure, I guess he had an album that, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he had like a greatest hits. Well, he's a bad motherfucker. You don't know that one? All right, maybe it's a good thing you just stuck with. Can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a good one. Totally just a quiz, a good one. So, uh, what's up, people? <laughs> like, it's a great intro. Uh, what's up? It's Augustino Zoida here. This is uh, Parishioners Podcast number 12, right? Number 12. Number 12. We're too legit to quit, people. We're still at it. Um, I'm here with the, the kid, Joe Perez. What's up, guys? We had to tape it uh, the podcast a little early today. We're getting ready. Joe's uh, got his uh, jujitsu class. I almost said too legit to quit class. Jujitsu, jujitsu class. After this, uh, this is probably like my second or third week doing jujitsu. I was gonna say, I think it's your third week, right? Yeah. The main reason I joined is because I always hear Joey talking about how jujitsu has benefited him so much, yeah. like, especially in his stand up. So. I didn't really know what to expect going to the jiu-jitsu, but after like the first week, I was like so hooked. I got that feeling that you get like right after you first do stand-up. Like throughout the whole day, you're just thinking of like what can you turn into a bit. Yeah, that's how I sort of felt after jiu-jitsu. It was like because I got I immediately went straight home after class and like went on the internet and looked up like different submissions I can do. And throughout the whole day, I was just thinking of like different ways 
You can submit people. You can with, kick people's asses. Yeah, well, with jujitsu, there's just an endless amount of ways to choke people out or yeah. armbar them. So it's like I can definitely see the relation between that and stand-up and that drive you well, get like from doing it. Did you get that same feeling that you do in stand-up, like when you're nervous and then you go on stage and mm-hmm. when you get off, you kind of feel relieved that you actually did it? Yeah. Like no matter how good or bad it goes, I mean, if it goes bad, I mean, you always kind of feel a little bad, but you know it's not really the end of the world and you just know it's just like a practice run anyway and mm-hmm. you can only get better you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you can you can use it to help you i guess it would be like the same thing f- uh for for that right like would yeah you, well would you, if it didn't go good you feel like it's okay it's just a learning session i can it only help me how to you know learn ne- better next time and then you have that feeling like well you know what at least i did it you know what mm-hmm. i mean i got it over with and you just feel good about yourself well, well a lot of people they'll look at it as going into class to get beat up but that's not really what it's about. It's going there and learning the technique so you don't get beat up. And everybody at the class is super nice and very friendly and very helpful. They always are looking forward to showing me new moves and stuff. So that's really helpful. And like I'm saying, like after every single class, you leave with so much more knowledge about the sport, which is sort of like when you bomb at stand-up. You're like, you take away so much from that bombing that will benefit you later on in your career. You know what I'm saying? Sort of like uh-huh. you go back and reflect on your bombing, like what you did wrong or whatever. So you're liking it? Oh, yeah, for sure. You get like a good workout? Dude. <laughs> Bet you. Actually, Dude, after if I the, did it, I haven't worked out in so long, I probably would throw up the first day. After the first kettlebell class, which is also at VMAG, Valley Martial Arts, I, right after that class, I immediately canceled my gym membership because I had never got the workout that I got at kettlebell class at the gym. Yeah. I've never sweated that much almost in my life. It's a cheaper, life. too, isn't it? It's only 15 bucks a session. Well, say if you go three times a month, what's 15 times three? Like... 45 45 so if you go three times in a month that's basically what your gym membership was right like 45 but you can go every day but it's such a good workout and i got me a kettlebell to work out with at home plus you're probably doing something fun that you'll more look forward to Uh rather than being like i gotta go to the gym and you're bored with it in two weeks Mm -hmm. and then you don't go at all Mm -hmm. and especially it's always fun rolling around with joey yeah uh, sometimes not for me because when Joey gets you inside control, you're done. I don't care if you're the Incredible Hulk, you're Hulk Hogan, you're Dwayne the Rock Johnson. If Joey gets you inside control, you're dead. <laughs> There's no way you can get him off of you. It's insane. <laughs> it's like a. It's pretty crazy. It's like a laying under a mattress and trying to like push the mattress off, but you like can't do anything to help yourself. But no, that's that, that's fun. It's like you're doing something you can do with friends, you know. Of course, and, and, or you know. People that you look up to. I mean, all you guys out there don't know we know Joey Diaz or your favorite comic or actor that you can go like do jujitsu with. But it, which is insane. I mean, go out with some friends and it, it just. I feel like when you go work out with friends, it inspires you more to actually go. Yeah, because you can talk yourself out of going to the gym or something like that if it's just you. Ah, I'll miss it this week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you have other people relying on you, you're not going to cancel most likely. And also, it just makes it seem fun. It's sort of like the... You remember the first day of school, first day of high... Oh, yeah, you were homeschooled. Yeah. But <laughs> like the first day of high school, you're just kind of nervous. You know what to expect. But as long as you're going with your friends, it takes away so much pressure. And like, you're whatever. I'm with my friends. It can't be that bad. That's how it sort of is with jiu-jitsu. You know, I really don't have a lot of friends in jiu-jitsu. The only people I really know is joey and that's it but i like to make new friends there because more people i know you know the yeah. more helpful they are to me at the same time like you know you have that buddy that's like encouraging you like come on let's go come on you know you need that sometimes yeah or, or even if you feel like they'll talk shit about you the next day if you didn't go or bust your balls hey how come we didn't see you in jiu-jitsu class you can't be like oh dog i was sleeping you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you, you have to come up with like an excuse like oh like something important happened but you know you just should have gone yeah and then cl- you don't want to let them down there's a class every day too so it's no excuses no so that's excuses. pretty much why you started doing jiu-jitsu is because i, I remember you were doing the kettlebell class once a week and then you started school, mm-hmm. so you couldn't anymore. So that's why you're doing jujitsu now. Yeah, just to like better around your, your school schedule. Yeah, man. That's cool, man. I'm loving it. So uh, what's going I'm on with you? you? What's I'm going on with you? Oh, thank you. That you're that you're doing that, doing something that you like. You seem to like really like it. Mm-hmm. So what's going on it's with you? Passionate about it. Uh, yeah. Anything? So speaking of school, that's uh, something that we kind of touched base on a little bit. I know we said we would touch base on it last episode, but we didn't. Yeah. Um, this is supposed to be like our, our writing session episode right now, Yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah, just to kind of like talk about it for like a second. I probably won't touch too much on it. probably should dedicate like a whole other episode somewhere down the line towards like school and, uh-huh. and education. But yeah, so you started going to school. That's why you had to change your whole schedule around jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And you started – I know that you, you study uh, – Screenwriting. Screenwriting, right? Yeah. 
I was kind of thinking, I, yeah, we talked about this last week. I was I'm kind of thinking of maybe getting myself into a class like that because I've, you know, I've written for some shows, but I have like half a foot in the door as mm-hmm. far as like writing. Every show I've ever written for was FX, and I've, I've never written like a script. I've only written like like I, I know what scripts look like. I know mm-hmm. how to read a script. Like if you give me a script, I can, and they, that's what I have to do. They like, give me a script, and I can adjust it to tell me like punch this up, punch up the punchlines. I can do that. But uh, didn't you have to learn that on your own? Or did I mean, someone yeah, help to be funny and stuff. No, I learned that on my own. I learned that just for doing stand up over the years and learning how to write, and then giving you know one on one writing sessions mm-hmm. is what I learned it from, and then. It's pretty easy to go in a room full of people. It's just like hanging out with comics. And it's just like, all right, they feed you a line out loud, or you can read it in front of you as they read it. And then you can just realize, well, that could be maybe changed like this, could be a little funnier. That I can do. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, eventually, if this is going anywhere with me writing for shows, I could possibly, you know, make like a, like a career out of this as well. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if it goes anywhere, I need to be able to know what the fuck I'm talking about if I'm in a writing room and I need to be able to write a script. Like the terminologies or whatnot. Yeah. The lingo. Uh, But I mean, okay, so let me tell you this, though. I was talking to my buddy who we were talking about last week who was staying with me last week, Mm -hmm. like one of my closest friends from Boston, and he also... Uh, you know, graduated from college and graduated from Emerson in Massachusetts. It's, you know, college in Massachusetts. They have one here too. It's a college in Emerson, and he graduated and he got uh, same thing: screenwriters. You know, <laughs> learning all that, and he graduated. And I was talking to him about it, and he told me like, you know what, you don't really need to take a class on that. Mm-hmm. And he was like saying, what you should take a class on is things like mathematics or history or. Or, you know, stuff to make your brain sharp, always keep it sharp, and always to keep creative and, and just learn. Because that's really where you can, no one can teach you, like, talent. You know what I mean? That's what he was saying. Yeah. He was saying, you can learn how to write a screenplay by reading scripts, which I do know how. I pretty much know how to write one just based off all the billions of scripts that I've read. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I know, so he's like, just keep reading those, and then you'll you'll get the structure based off that. But he's like, you'll never have someone teach you, like what to write about or what story to write about and how to so he was his advice to me was like always be educated always keep your brain sharp which i always have preached the choir to that on stand-up when guys tell me like oh how do you cope material and stuff like that or they say like oh i didn't go to school because i just want to be a stand-up comedian that doesn't really matter i mean you can be a stand-up comedian and not have a college degree Mm -hmm. but i feel like you're limiting yourself to how high you can go Mm -hmm. of how deep of things you can talk about like i've always wanted to take I, I might actually take a couple of classes just for fun. Yeah. Like I might, I would take history just because I know I, I love it. I really think it's interesting and fascinating. And I think the more history that you know, you can write original bits about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the more about the Bible you know, you can write original bits about it. Of course. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, but you know what I'm saying? Like the one bit that I have about like the whole Bible and stuff like that. Like, yeah. like I, I couldn't have done that if I didn't have the knowledge of all those Bible stories. And the same thing goes with history. Mm-hmm. So I would take a history class and I would take a screenwriting class. Let me well, get rid of the dog. I know, I know what you're saying about, or what your friend is saying about the classes, about how you don't really need to take these classes for screenwriting, but. I feel the same way also. I'm like, why am I taking a class? I can learn everything in this class on the internet in five minutes. But what I took most of the class, what I realized is that after the classes, like the screenwriting classes or movie classes, I get so motivated to go home and write a script that I just... But I never actually do it because I'm super lazy. Oh, yeah, lazy. same here. Same here if I, if I read a book, if I watch a movie, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. if I, I, I don't know, like anything, or watching stand-up, I always feel like going and writing. Yeah. It's just like, you know, Joey's always saying that, that Paul Mooney uh, said to him, he's like, in order to entertain, you must first be entertained. Yeah. And I really believe that. Mm. So, yeah, so I don't know. Like, should I take a class in the screenwriting? Or does it, it's not really, not, but well, then my other thing is, is like when they're looking at your college degree that you got or looking at the classes that you took, wouldn't they go like, oh, you took a class on screenwriting so you know what the hell you're talking about? I don't think it works like that, but what you need to think about is what you want out of the class. Are you doing it just so it looks good on your resume or are you doing it to gain personal information about the business personal or about information. the Personal information. Like, I want to I wanna know how to do it correctly. I think I... I mean, based on what I was told and what I already know about scripts, I'm pretty sure I already know how to write a script. Mm-hmm. I've just never done it before. So I, it would, I guess it wouldn't kill to take a couple of courses, right? Well, 
you probably don't need to take like a, a class on how to structure a script, but more about like how to form a story. Because that's what I'm taking right now. I'm taking a, a story class where it teaches you how to write stories or like the origin of stories, of classic stories, and how most like media, movies, movies in the media now are based off of super old stories that already exist. Do you find the class helpful or do you kind of find that you can't really teach that? It's very helpful, actually. And it's also, like, like I said, you get motivated, extremely motivated listening to like, all these people's stories about how they got into the business. Like Quentin Tarantino wrote Pulp Fiction when he was like 15 years old working in a blockbuster or something like that. Yeah, you always hear stories like that. Yeah, then, when I hear stories like that, I'm like instantly motivated to go home and write on the script or write stand-up. I also but, heard that like Seth Rogen wrote... like. Um, what was that one called? Superbad. Superbad and like, a, like a, a several movies after Superbad that came out that Seth Rogen like produced. Yeah. I heard that he like wrote all those when he was 15. Yeah. And then, you know, well, he was in a TV show when he was teenagers. What was it called? Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. He was a, he was a teenager. But I guess once he started like getting bigger, he was just like, I got all these scripts and they just made them. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, you always hear about things like that. That's the stuff I like that motivates me, but yeah. But it motivates you, but do you think that you're learning how on your own to go and create stories? Yeah, well, I've only taken the story class one time because my, my semester just started last week. But I can tell there's going to be a lot of good information coming from this class. I'll just tell you the book that goes with the class. It's not like a big book it, booklet that, come, that you normally come, comes with schooling. What is like, it, the, the cat book? What's it called? I have no idea. There's this book. It's just a regular book. They tell you you want to write a script or like a sitcom or something like that. They always tell you to get this book. It's called Save the Cat, right? I think that's one of them. But this one is written by, I think the guy's name is Joseph Campbell. Okay. He's one of the best screenwriters or storytellers in the world or something like that. So I'm going to read this book. And if you want, I'll let you borrow it. It has supposedly one of the best uh, story books about stories and story writing. I'll be the name of it and shit so we can tell people. Or you can just type in Joseph Campbell on Amazon. It should be. Yeah, should well, tweet it up. later. Tweet it. People right. that are actually listening give a fuck. They might want to read that. All right. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's kind of suitable for today's topic. So it is our writing session Yeah. Uh, today. We're just, I think Joe has like one story that we'll work on. So that's a suitable topic for today, right? Yeah, stories. Uh, all right, cool. So uh, yeah, we have a writing session. This is going to be our like, official last episode of season one of Parishioners Podcast. We did yeah. it, guys. We 12 did episodes. It. So don't worry. You don't have to wait. Uh, through like a whole season or anything like that, because we're or like gonna, a, a summer yeah. off. We don't have a summer yeah, off. We're we, back at it next. We're week. literally just calling it season one and season two, just to seem different than other podcasts that no one's ever done it before. Mm-hmm. To maybe trying to stand out and being different, and also maybe if you like you you know catch on to us a little bit a little late, it'll be easier for you to go back and follow up by seasons of how to you know you can catch up on mm-hmm. all the other episodes that we've had. Um, so yeah, this is the twelfth episode. And I guess we're calling it our season finale, which is our just our writing session. Yeah, uh, the, the first season has twelve episodes, but from now on, I think we're gonna do twenty-four. A yeah, season. season two and season three. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll have way longer. They'll have like double the episodes. Yeah, and we are already have some crazy guests lined up for season two. That we just made it a goal for ourselves that we, you know, Joe and I were telling each other like we are going to in season two like step up our game in guests. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, next week we have Steve Simone coming on, mm-hmm. and the week after that, um, I have Alfred Robles coming on. He, mm-hmm. he was on Comedy Central three times. He's Gabriel Iglesias' opener yeah. on the road. He uh, was on Comedy Central three times because he was on uh, Stand Up Revolution. Gabriel Iglesias is his show. Yeah. And I think he's been on the, the church a couple of times, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was in the Fluffy movie. And so it'll be pretty cool to have him on. He just released his first CD, I think. That's right, he did. Straight out of East Los. Yeah, straight out of East Los, yeah. yeah. So we're going to have him on in two weeks and Steve Simone next week. So that'll be a great opening for season two. I'm looking forward to that. All right, cool. So did your dad text you back? Yeah, I got the dad joke. We'll do that. We should do that at the end. It's the writing right? session podcast. So we want to well. start off with that. Let's do it. All right, kick it. It's the writing session podcast. So let's go right ahead and go into dad joke of the week. So your hands in the air, up you go through player. Oh shit! It, where's, what's Big Papa Joe's joke of the week? All right, so. Now, we're back to very short one-liners because I told him to send me a quick one-liner before the show started. (laughs) So, uh, all right, here's the first one. Are you ready? I'm ready. You know you're getting old when you hear ACDC music as elevator music. That's it. Wait, what? Say it again? (laughs) 
You know you're getting old when you hear ACDC music as elevator music. <laughs> so, I guess what he's trying to say is... Okay, I know what he's trying to say. Because when you... Back in the day... In elevators, you used to they used to play like old jazz yeah, or, or stuff like that, it. and like you know, oldies, yeah, like Cosby Show theme song type music, yeah, and yeah, actually, yeah, remember the remember the intro of the of the Cosby Show where at the end he goes, "This is the best elevator music I ever heard." Yeah, remember? <laughs> so, um, so what your dad's trying to say, I guess, is is that he's standing in an elevator and the music that's playing is ACDC and he's sitting there thinking to himself, like, this is elevator music now. That's not, now that's how I feel old. Or he's so used to going in the elevators and listening to these old songs, oldies from his like childhood or whatever, <laughs> or, his, or his parents' childhood, and then he finally goes into an elevator and then it's ACDC. And he's like, wait, how is this elevator music now? <laughs> this is not oldies. Well, even if it, I mean, even if it is old... Which, like, I guess ACD music is old, but even if it is old, it's still, like, not elevator music, which is, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when I think of elevator music, uh, uh, that's more of, like, a genre, yeah. elevator music, like you know what I mean? Classical music. So I think that's why the way it was worded didn't make sense to me, but I totally get what he's saying, and I think that it could probably be fixed. Because I remember thinking one time that some music seems like it was specifically made to be played in diners. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think I said that on, like, uh, like... Uh, the song Daughters by John Mayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like some songs I just hear it and I just go like, I only hear this song in diners. Like uh, This is diner music. Nora Jones at like a Starbucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, just or yeah, or playing it at a Starbucks. Like, you know, Jason Mraz was made for Starbucks. Play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, I, but your dad is kind of saying that, but what he's more saying is, like, I feel old because the music that I party to is now your kids' as elevator music. Yeah, That's exactly really it. the way I would word it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I know I'm old because, you know, like, my party music, like ACDC, is now you, like you kids' as elevator music, and mm-hmm. you'd be talking to the crowd, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think that'd be a better way to word it, so we would just pick it up. It went over my head for a second. Yeah. I also used to say that... Uh, I never is able. To, I never used this on stage. I've only done it at open mics. I'm never able to make it work. I was like, some cars are just made to be rental cars. You know yeah, what I mean? Like my car that I drive. Yeah, actually, that probably would have been a great rental. <laughs> it literally is my car that I drive right now. Literally is it used to be a rental car. So there's no like. Did it really? Yeah, oh, it, it was that. a straight up rental car. So they didn't have like uh, Chevy Malibus were invented to be. I mean, not back in the '70s, but like the new ones, like they're invented to be rental cars. Well, the new ones are pretty good, but the ones from like 2004, like the one that I drive. Right, those, but no, the '70s, the Malibus. Oh were yeah. Dope. And uh, yeah, I feel like the era that you drove was like they designed it for rental cars like it's got like the side the, the win- roll the, the, the roller the thing window handle and there's no uh, there's no tape deck you can't put your tape in you can't put a CD in the uh, radio what's another like rental car I don't remember the punchline but I remember you used to talk about this I, another rental car Toyota Corolla yeah or like um, I just had it what the fuck I was just thinking about it fuck I don't remember you fucked me up by saying sorry no actually no Toyota Corolla is so not a rental no? car no that's it, like a common People use that. It's like a really common car. Uh, shit, I don't fucking remember. It was funny, though. Anyway, fuck it. All right. Um, you fucked me up, Joe. I'm sorry. All um, right. Fuck, what the fuck was it? Anyway, I remember I rented a car one time, and it was not long ago. It was like in the year 2011, and it was like a Jeep. It was like a red Jeep, a brand new 2011 Jeep, and I never—I I got blown away because there was no power doors, no power windows and locks, and no CD players, just cassette. Like that's a rental car. <sighs> Isn't it fun? <laughs> All right, should we get into this story? Uh, but before we start the writing session, let me just say that the the story I'm going to tell. We're not going to focus on like the subject matter or the punchlines, but I really want to focus on how to structure a story that would be suitable for an open mic. Because you know most comedians will write a story, but it'll be like a twenty-minute story or a ten-minute story. But if okay, you're going so up at open mics for five minutes, let's try to find a way to fit this story. When you say story. suitable for an open mic, you mean like how to condense down a long story? Yeah, into into like five minutes okay, or so. Which you should do anyway for stories, unless you're fucking uh, you know doing an HBO special, which I really doubt you are if you're at that level. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to write a story yet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll do like the basic structure of a story and how to boil it down. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I'll go over some bullet points for storytelling. But first, uh, let's hear the story. I'll give you the basic outline of the story. So this goes back into middle school. Maybe I was like 14, 13. Uh, I was a really insecure, shy kid. Uh, sometimes I would make jokes in class, and that's where I uh, really developed my sense of humor, was making the class laugh. That's how I sort of started to come out of my shell. But what it really was is one Christmas, when I was like 14, my brother-in-law gave me an adult onesie. As like a gag gift? Sure or not. Because I would wear it. How old were you? Like 14 years old. Okay. Was it your brother-in-law at the time or was it your sister's boyfriend? It was my brother-in-law. Okay. So I would wear this onesie all the time at home. And then one day... I decided to make videos of me dancing at home in my onesie, and I would upload them. I know. So I would upload them to YouTube, and uh, so the videos like circulated throughout my whole school, and I had like 200 views, which is basically my whole school, so I know everybody was watching that shit. So then after that, I became known as the onesie kid, like a local legend at my school. People would come up and be like, hey, I've seen your video of you dancing in your onesie. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, so after that, I decided that I'm just going to wear this shit to school. Okay. So I started to wear my onesie to school. Not every day, but like maybe like once a month, I just wear it to school. And my school is very strict on uniforms. They had a very strict uniform policy, so I got in trouble a bunch. But so then I came up. This one kid, this is eighth grade now. We're approaching the very last day of eighth grade. And when you graduate eighth, gra- eighth grade, they have like a big dance thing for all the eighth graders, like a goodbye party or something. It's at a, a college campus in their big dance ballroom. So, like, can you normally at the dance, would you be able to wear whatever you want or you have to wear a uniform to dance too? No, you can wear whatever you want. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Uh, so, there's this kid. He's an African American kid in my class. And he's known as, like, a badass breakdancing kid. Like, he'd do spins on his head and shit. Okay. He's very fit. So I went up to him, maybe a couple weeks before the dance, and I said, hey, man, I challenge you to a dance-off at the final dance. And he's like, all right. He thought I was joking, but I was dead serious. All right? So I keep telling him every day. I'm like, dude, are you ready for that dance-off? And he's like, yeah, whatever. So Dave the Dance. I show up in my regular uh, clothes. I'm not wearing a onesie. And then maybe halfway through the dance, we go up to the DJ and we say, yo, put this shit on. It was like some Beastie Boys song. <laughs> a big-ass circle of kids circle around, like in a movie, like of 150 kids. And it was my turn to do the dance-off with this black kid named Tyson. <laughs> His name was Tyson? Yes. <laughs> So he goes, he goes first. He starts off. He does his little cool black breakdancing moves or whatever. He spins around. And then it was my turn. You know, like they flip the dance to you. Like, all right, yeah. your turn. So what I do, I was wearing like a jacket. Like a battle. I rip off the jacket. And under the jacket is my onesie. And I rip off my uh, jogging pants. And under the jogging pants was my onesie. So everybody's like, oh, shit. And then I just started dancing. It's like, I don't really know how to dance. I just fill my arms around or whatever and like lay on the floor and wiggle. But somehow I won the dance battle okay. through the audience, and that's basically it—the legend of the onesie kid. That's the whole story. Basically, okay. I don't fit into it anymore, so <laughs> the legacy has ended. <laughs> okay, weren't you kind of chubby back then? Uh, not as chubby as I am now, but yeah, that was oh, right before I went off the deep end. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, now couple things we got to hit on this is mostly about like joke structure you want right mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to go into the content because going as far as the content of this of uh, actually like your story here mm-hmm. i can really break it down and we can say like first of all you need a punch you need punchlines in there and you need to have a point in it in the end well right now i'm just telling it as i remember it right. from my childhood okay so here's a rule in jokes whether it's a story or it's not mm-hmm. every joke has to have a point so there's no reason for you to go out on stage tell the story about the onesie and then just walk off so you need to have a point the point of this one is to break out of your shell like i did because from being a super loner kid to being the super popular person known to dance around in a onesie that's sort of the point is to break out of the shell 
that you have. But okay. I want to find a way to communicate that. Yeah, you kind of can't communicate that because you're writing. It's not writing for a podcast. It's writing for a joke on stage live. It's mm-hmm. different. You can't really send a huge message like that across. So if you're trying to make that kind of point, you need to narrow down your point a little bit. So there needs to be a reason that you're saying it on stage in front of a group of people. Mm-hmm. We need to have... You, you can't just tell me I'm saying it because I want people to feel that sometimes it's good to break out of your shell. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say that. You want to more get a... You're going to have... You, it's not like you're talking to me. You're talking to an audience. And if you find how you can say what point you're trying to make, we'll find the setup to this joke. We'll find how you should start it. The story. We mm-hmm. need to find what are you trying to say to them by telling them this story? Are you trying to say, you can't just go on stage and say stuff. It has to be a reason you're telling this group of people this. Mm-hmm. You can't just go up there and be like, so when I was a kid, I wore this onesie and I danced at the school with this black kid and then, and then I won. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's kind of funny. I guess if I saw the video, it'd be funny. So you're saying I should go deeper into my side of what I was, like, what I was feeling back then or... I want to know, basically we need a reason for you to start talking about this. You have to say something like, um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you can say something, it can come from like a different joke that you already did, maybe, that, and, you, and you'd be like, yeah, I just get some, you know, I get insecure sometimes as like a segue, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you know, you could say like, like sometimes you got to overcome that fear, you know what I mean? You could just say something like that. Overcoming fears, could that be Overcoming like a fears could be a point. And also, at the same time this is all going down, my parents are going through a massive divorce and we're losing our house. So can that sort of tie into why I started to act up and do crazy stuff like this? Or I mean, should I just leave that out? If we started to have more bits about your parents going through a divorce and stuff, like, yeah, we can work it in. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if we're getting close to, like, you're making you a fucking hour CD or you doing 20 minutes on the road, yeah, we can start to break it down to, like, a story, story, and then tie them all together. Mm-hmm. But right now I just need to get, like, some funny out of this. And a point, mm-hmm. and the point has to be, I guess, yeah. The point that you're trying to make is, is that uh, you know you, you want to make chances. You got to break out of your shell. You're sick and tired of being blah blah blah. We'll find that point eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to like basic bullet points of story writing. When you're telling a story, there's a few things that you have to remember. Now, first, remember, listen to when Joe was telling me the story just now. I kept asking him questions. Right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the story. Every time you told me a question, I would say, like, uh, well, what about this? Well, did you have to wear uniforms there? Well, you know, what was, you know what I mean? Well, who was this guy? Who was that guy? I didn't have to ask too many questions because you did give pretty much some detail to paint a picture, but not 100%. But, yeah, the more questions I had to ask, that's the questions the audience is silently, whether you know it or not, asking themselves in their head, which makes them not... Point, uh, paint a picture in their head and if they can't paint a picture they can't see it on like in front of them like on like a screen in their mind I think that's one of the most beautiful things about people that can tell great stories like Joey Diaz or Bill Burr whoever is painting that mental, it, mental yeah. image in someone's head to bring you back and like literally be there in your mind that's what I, th- I want to try to communicate in the future through stand up so if you guys are comics or you want to be a comic and you want to become or be more like a storyteller side uh-huh. you got to remember these things As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, we need to know who. We need to know where. We need to know how many. How many what? How many people are there? Or how, how many whatevers is there? Whatever you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like if you say, if you're trying to tell me a story about you and all your friends in the car, and you're like, yeah, so me and my boy are driving down the street, you know what I mean? And you tell me the story, and you're like, and all of a sudden something happens, and you're telling the whole crazy story, but then all of a sudden, and my girl in the back comes, and she's like, oh my God, watch out. Okay, we can't have your girl in the back be introduced in the middle of the story. That's true. In the beginning of the story, we didn't know what you were doing. I'm driving a car. We didn't know where you are. I'm in the driver's seat driving the car. We would need to know who's with you. My boy's on my left. My girlfriend's in the back seat. And it was as very little time with very little detail as possible, painted bigger picture as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you were to tell me I had a dance-off with some cool kid in my class, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it didn't... We needed to know that he was black. I know. I forgot to leave that out. No, you didn't. You remembered it. Oh, I didn't? Yeah. I'm just giving them an example. But uh, that's why I didn't ask you what did he look like. Where is the boundary to you where... You forgot to tell me his name, yeah. Tyson, but you remembered later on. We need to know his name is Tyson when you said I challenged some kid like way earlier. Okay. Because so, that's a punchline itself. The fact that there's like the cool black kid that was like, like breakdancing in school that was super popular. His name was Tyson. That's funny. All right. Okay. Well, for the story, do you think I should change it to something even more black? No, I think it's a it's a unique story the way it is. We just need to have it breaking down to where we need to take parts out that don't really matter. All right. So I was wondering, like, where do you draw the line for the boundary of detail that you put into a story? Like, I know you say we're driving a car, my girlfriend's the backseat, my friend's to my right or left, but is that basically it? you don't go to like what color the car is, what street you're going down, if it was a rainy day or a stormy day. Yeah. Because I know some of like, the intense detail like that can really also help paint a picture, but also it can be unnecessary at the same time. Yeah, sometimes things can be unnecessary. And if, if it counts in the story later on, for example, that we should know his name, mm-hmm. say his name. Okay. But if it doesn't matter in the story later on that we don't know who your friend's name is next to you, then we don't really need to know his name. You can just say my friend and my girlfriend. But if it counts in the story later on, we're going to need to know their name. Don't say it when it counts. Say it early on. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. You follow? Yeah. So, and then again, I don't need to know that the car is a Chrysler 300. Mm-hmm. If later on it counts, in the, if that's a part of the punchline later on, like if somebody... This dude rammed into me. You know what I mean? And, and then, yeah, I got out the car and I was like, yo, watch my, my, watch my Chrysler, dog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's funnier. Not that that's, I mean, it sounds just like an incredibly hacky joke that I just came up with. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just giving you an example. But, but if, if your punchline is like that area, around that area, you don't want to have said, I got out of the car and I was like, yo, you hit my car. Because that's not funny. Mm-hmm. You want to say, yo, you hit my Chrysler. Because that's funny. Because you know it's what I'm saying? Car if I say like to that. you, I need to get some laundry detergent, that's not funny. If I say to you, yo, I need to get some Tide, it's funny. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You, can't, you, gotta, you can't say like, so I cleaned up the mess with my rag. You got to say, I cleaned up the mess with my ShamWow. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That detail is important because it's funny. Yeah. It makes a story plain, give it some flavor. Like, for example, actually, let me give you a note, new joke that I came up with yesterday. This might be, I never said it on stage before ever, and, and this would be good to give you an example, okay? This is something, something new I was thinking about working on. You know how, like, when you invite people over to your house, they're always like, oh, what should we bring? Yeah. You know what I mean? I take advantage of that, and I tell people to bring shit that has nothing to do with the party. <laughs> like, because I, I always usually have food and beer and shit. If I'm gonna invite you over the house, I don't. And people usually go, "We just bring yourselves, right? Uh-huh. We don't need you to bring anything. I already got all the food and the drinks." And people will go, "Like, well, what should I bring?" I always just go, "Hey, can you pick up like some Tide?" You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I got, I some ran ha- out. And they're household like, items. Why are we gonna play like a like a game or something? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to do laundry. Like, I ran out of soap. You know that's what pretty, I mean? Yeah, that's a good that's I think that's kind premise. of a good premise. I might play off that in a little bit at an open mic, but how funny would that be if I said to you, what do you need us to bring? Could you pick up some laundry detergent? I don't think it's as funny as if I say, hey, can you get some gain? Gain? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, that's being real specific. Mm-hmm. I think it's way funnier to say the thing. 
Like, don't say, hey, don't crash into my car. Say, hey, don't crash into my Prius, motherfucker. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Which one sounds funnier? Prius. You know what I mean? But if this is like a story where it's about like a crazy thing that happened that doesn't really matter what kind of car it was, though, don't say it at all. Just say I'm driving down the street with my dude and my chick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for your example, I would say like from the beginning, you know, your brother got you the whole like thing, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of detail that's too much. Mm-hmm. And again, like uh, only because I knew you, I asked, was he married at the time? Was it was he your sister's boyfriend at the time? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we just need to know, like, keep it as basic as possible. And sometimes something I'll tell you to take out of that story because it doesn't need to go. Mm-hmm. You might be like, "But we need that," and you're not you're not seeing that you really don't need it, mm-hmm. and you can just go right into something from something. For example, with your story, and you asked me to condense it for our open mic, so you can yeah. say it at open mic. For your story, I would take out. Okay, this part. Okay, give me a second. So you made the YouTube video. Yeah. You upload it. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought it was funny. Yeah. So you figured you'd wear it to the school the yeah. next day, and you got in trouble for wearing it because of the uniform thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you decided to wear it to the dance under the jacket later on again. Yeah. Right. Here's what I would do. I would take that whole chunk out in the middle about you going and wearing it at school and getting in trouble for not wearing the uniform. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, unless you have a huge, hilariously funny joke about not about, about getting in trouble for wearing the uniforms. Uh-huh. Unless you want to be like, "What does it not fit your the uniform description?" You know what I mean? Like it's not relevant. Mm-hmm. So let's just let's just take that out. Hang on, I'm gonna hey, give me a second. I gotta put the dog away. We were talking about he's sleeping. Let's just leave him alone. He's not gonna bother us, but now he's bothered. And also about the attention to details. Wondering like. Should I mention what the onesie looked like? Because it's kind of goofy. It had like little monkey feet on the bottom and stuff like that. Should yeah, I describe we'll, what it we'll looks need like? That description for sure. Yeah. But hang on a second. Let's don't let me get distracted here. Uh, I want to stick on the thing before I forget. So we're gonna take that middle piece out about you going into school the next day, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, you're gonna say bec- you you wore it the next day to the dance, right? Okay. And we'll, and then you're like, all week, I was telling you, you ready for the dance-off? You ready for the dance-off? I know that's how it really happened, but we don't need to know that. You could challenge him to a dance-off right there. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. At the dance. Okay. So now, take that part out. We're going to go right from the YouTube video right to the dance. Okay. And I'll show you how we'll go right into it. Okay? So here's what's going to happen. Yes, we want to have as much detail to paint a picture as possible. You do want to leave some out if it's not necessary. So here's the detail that I want in. Now, throughout a story, here's another rule. Keeping in mind that you have to know where, who, why, when, what, wow, right? Uh How. So keeping that in mind, here's another rule in in storytelling. Along the way to the point or to the punchline or to the end, along the way, we need to keep them entertained. So we can't just tell the story as it is and hope that you don't lose them until you get to the end. So along the way, if you can't come up with a punchline along the way for every sentence, then what you need to do is reference something to help paint a picture so that you can get a laugh, a little chuckle, or at least keep their interest throughout. Mm -hmm. So for example, I would describe or reference something that you thought you maybe looked like in the onesie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something unique, like... You know, maybe we should, we should know. And like, I'm a, you know, how tall are you? You're like 6'4", right? 6'2". Okay, you're like, I'm 6'2", and I'm a like chubby Mexican kid wearing a onesie. You know what I mean? Like, we, like also it doesn't hurt to elaborate or describe what, just you, what you just said. Mm-hmm. Now, people in an audience will be staring right at you, but it doesn't hurt to anyway go over what, you know what I mean, a visual even though they can see you, they still would, a visual would still be good because then we'll know what was going on in your mind at the mm. time. At the time, you're sitting here thinking, I'm a fucking, you know, like six foot two chubby Mexican teenager and this dude bought me a fucking onesie. Like that's the thought what's going Okay, so those are the rules and story, so, storytelling so far. Who, where, what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Go into detail if necessary. Another one is, is reference something along the way to keep him entertained. And, um, like, you could have – and oh, and we want to know what's going – what you're – like, they always say in acting, it's not acting that counts. It's reacting. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for stand-up. So if you tell them something that happened in a story, 
we want to know how you would have reacted to it at the time. Oh, okay. You like, can't, you know what I mean? Like my face when I open up the present and it's a onesie. I mean, you, you can put it there. I'm just saying this so people get like the basic like story structure. You know what I mean? But you definitely want to do that. Yeah, so when this dude got you a onesie, you can't just say to the audience, and my brother-in-law got me a onesie. And I'm like, what the heck? And, I, and see, what question did I ask you there? Do you how remember? Did, how did you react? No, earlier when you were telling me the story originally. About what? You're like, he got me a onesie. I said, as a gag gift? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. As a see, gag gift. See, now that, le- as soon as we hear onesie, we think like, does he think you need it? Like, why, like was it a joke? Was it just funny? You know what I mean? Like we, so basically you can't just say he got me a onesie and then I had to ask you, was it a gag gift? And you said, I don't know. Well, sure. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Just to get to your story. We can't do that. We, you need to, we need to have a react so we have something to be entertained with. So when you say like, I received a onesie as a gift, you can't just say that. You have to say, I received a onesie as a gift. So what would your reaction be? Like, really, dude? Really? Yeah, something along those. Along the lines of that, like you got your, your emotion, describe your emotion at that time and then say it in front of the audience. Your emotion at the time would just like be disappointment. like, really? You know what I mean? Dis- yeah. yeah, you're disappointed. First of all, you don't have brothers, right? No. First of all, you don't have brothers. So this dude's like your only brother technically. And you're looking forward to get that brother gift. You know what I mean? Maybe like a football. You know what I'm saying? Like a mitt. (laughs) Or like what about like I opened it up. I'm disappointed. It's like this is kind of a lame gift. But later on by myself, I secretly put it on. And I'm like, ooh. Well, I mean basically the point I'm trying to get at though is I want your reaction to to opening it. You'd be like, really, dude? Like I'm a a six foot two, 14-year-old chubby kid. You thought to get me a onesie? You know what I'm saying? So and then you can say, so just out of fun, so later on we're going to say, just out of fun, you decided to put it on and dance in a video because why not, mm-hmm. right? The guy got it for you as a gag gift, whatever, you're going to dance for the video. Now we need to describe what you look like in the video because you're like, you're like, imagine like a giant Teletubby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, what, so another thing, what color was the onesie? I also had like That's shoulder, deep. I had shoulder length long hair at the time too. <laughs> So I don't know if I, I don't could, think that's that important to know. You don't think but it what is? What color was the onesie? It was uh, blue. A blue onesie. Yeah. It, it, there's a blue Teletubby, isn't there? Yeah. No, uh, Tinky Winky's purple. <laughs> but I mean, you can you can you can change your story a little bit. To, yeah. Like I say, you don't have to say exactly what happened because you'll lose them. Uh huh. But I, but I mean, you don't have to say Teletubby either. You can say however you want. You could say like you look like. A giant baby, or if you want to say that you had long hair, so you're like I'm, I'm 14 years old, chubby, six foot two Mexican kid with long hair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could say like you look like a, what's like a lead singer of a rock band off the top of your head. Oh, Robert Plant, oh. definitely not Robert Plant, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. It was like long hair. Yeah, yeah he has long hair. Yeah, Robert Robert Plant. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, okay, Ozzy Osbourne. So see, it might even be funny if you're like, so here I am, long ass, dark hair, chubby Mexican kid, you know, wearing a onesie. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh huh. So you can be like, I look like Ozzy Osbourne mixed with a Teletubby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there it is. That's pretty good. You, you like know what I mean? That. And again, you wouldn't say a lead singer rock band of a rock band and a, and a Teletubby. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you would say like, uh, that's what I'm saying by be specific. You would say like it looks like Ozzy Osbourne. So I, like I'm a six foot two. Who's a tall? Who's a tall rock star? I have no idea. Hair? Ozzy Osbourne's not tall. But are we looking for the tall factor or the long hair factor to compare? Long hair factor, kind of tall. Like you know what I mean? Maybe known for being like a little lanky or skinny or Led sure. Zeppelin guy or what about the guy from Kiss with long black Paul, hair? Paul Stanley. I mean, whatever you, you know, but you get my point, right? Yeah. You could be like, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a six foot two, fourteen year old, like chubby Mexican with long dark hair, and, and I and I got this. So you're telling the audience, like, picture this, right? So I, and I'm wearing like this onesie. So I look, I look like Ozzy Osbourne, fucked the purple Teletubby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're standing there the, mm-hmm. like that. He, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, your Tinky Winky Osborne. Something. You know what I mean? It's just getting little laughs or little references or keeping them entertained or giving yeah. them examples and helping them paint a picture along the way. Mm-hmm. So picture this. I'm standing there in front of my camera, blah, 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 blah. You do a good funny dance. And then I would say that you uploaded it to YouTube. And from all the people from your high school, it got so many hits is what I would say. Yeah. I would say that because people thought it was so funny and so silly that it got so many views and they passed around because you were so dorky, basically, is what mm-hmm. it was. And then I would go right from there. Or actually, take it back a step. They uh, watch it and they didn't expect it because they know me as like this loner kid who's like shy, doesn't really talk. And all of a sudden, this video erupts 
You know where I'm coming from? You know what yeah. I'm trying to say? Well, see, that would have to go more like in, I guess, the setup or at least in you making your point uh-huh. of, you know, like when I'm telling the story about when I, when I peed my pants, it's a story I tell on mm-hmm. stage or the Christmas story that I, that I say when I call my sister a slut. You know, that story that I do. Yeah. But I'm telling those stories in the beginning. I'm describing to them, okay, I'm telling a story. So it's okay to call them and bring them, bring them down a little bit. So I'm sitting there and I'm telling them, like, okay, so when I was eight years old, I had a bedwetting problem, right? And I sit there and I tell them, and I go, like, I was really shy. I was antisocial, blah, 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 all that stuff. So mm-hmm. you're kind of want to set your story up, too, by the same thing, bringing them down. Okay, so when I was 14, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. Like when I was fourteen, like you know, my parents were going through divorce. I was homeschooled. I was so. Wait, if you were home, wait, you were homeschooled, right? How did you do this at the dance? No, I was homeschooled mostly through high school. Oh, okay, so never mind. Don't this mention, is middle don't school. Mention that you were homeschooled then. Yeah, this um, is middle school. Yeah, so just say like you know you weren't the most popular kid at school is basically how you want to set mm-hmm. this up. So that is your point right there. Not the most popular kid at school. You decided that you want some attention, so you fucking you know what I mean. You did something crazy. Right. This is basically going to be the point of it. So you're going to say, like, you know, I was a little antisocial. My parents are going through a divorce. That's how you'll set this whole thing up. So now fast forward to where we left off, where you just recorded the YouTube video, got a bunch of hits from people at your school because they just thought you looked pretty dorky. It was pretty funny. And you're sitting at home thinking to yourself, man, I got all these YouTube hits. Like, people love me. I'm going to be, like, fucking famous at that when I go to that mm-hmm. school. So you go, oh, I'm wearing the onesie to the dance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So skip the whole, like, uniform thing. Go right to the dance wearing the onesie, right? I mean, under the suit, of course. Do I, do I mention that I'm wearing the onesie under the suit to the audience, or do I mention it as it's happening? We're like, going to need to know before. I rip it off. You want me to... Before you actually okay. rip it off, we need to know you're wearing it underneath. Okay. So what you'll say is, is that, like, so you're all excited. You're like, oh, my God, I might actually be, like, a, like a fucking little celebrity over there. This thing went, like, viral overnight at my high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then you go, and you say that you... Wore the onesie to school. I mean, at the dance. At the so dance. you're like, I'm going to wear this onesie to the, to the dance. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to kill it. You know what I mean? So you decided to wear it to the dance. But then maybe at some point, maybe right here, or right at that point, or maybe later on, but I'm feeling more right here, you can say, and as it turns out, onesie in person, not as cool as onesie on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we had that, you actually had that image of your head that you were cool because your thing went viral overnight at school. Mm-hmm. But they were more like laughing at you than with you uh-huh. type of thing. So you show up wearing it and it's not as cool. But maybe that shouldn't go there because we need to know that you're going to go, all right, I'm going to wear it at school. And then you go to the school and you got it under your jacket, right? Mm-hmm. And what I would like to see is that like you want to become like the coolest kid or you want the attention now because you're going through something. And then you say, like, so you decide to challenge to a dance-off to the most popular kid at school mm-hmm. like that. And then, you, and then we'll describe him, okay? You'd be like, he was, he was this black kid. He was the coolest kid in school. You know what I mean? Like, he was a dancer. He was a hip-hop dancer, mm-hmm. like a professional hip-hop dancer. Which is true, he, he was. was. Yeah, he was the coolest kid in school. And you say his name was Tyson. That right there is going to get a react. People are going to laugh at. Uh-huh. You'd be like, yo, I'm not making that shit up. His name is fucking Tyson. Mm-hmm. Like, of course it is. Right. So imagine like me, I go up and I challenge Tyson and you challenge him to a dance off. So you give the CD to the DJ right then, you go play that shit. And then you know, he dances first, he's like all oh, good at breakdance stuff like that. And then they go to you and then you go like, "Oh shit." And then you and then you pop off the jacket, right? So mm-hmm. later earlier on when you say, "I'm going to wear the onesie to school to the dance because that's how cool you think you are because you got all those views." Right there, we should know. So you wear the onesie under your suit jacket, mm-hmm. right? So no one can see it until the big dance off. So then, when you do the dance off, then you pop off that jacket and you got the onesie underneath. Let's say like you have like a breakaway suit. That'd be fucking funny. You know what I mean? Like a yeah, just so the like pants, one jacket, move. everything came off afterward in one move. And then and you got the onesie underneath. And as soon as everyone saw that shit, they just went nuts. Oh shit! And then you do your dance and describe how like, you don't even know how to dance. Like the other guy clearly is a better dancer, Tyson. So, so wait, the- wait, 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 before we I lose it, and then you start dancing around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you start dancing around. You're like, I don't know how to dance. I'm just wiggling on the floor. My stupid ones, you look like a fool. And everyone's like cheering and stuff. I'm thinking like, I'm going to win this. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You're like, I got this. They love me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then at the end, you can be like, 
As it turns out, <laughs> onesie on YouTube is not as cool as onesie at the dance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Maybe right there it can have it. Maybe don't even say that you won. Because the fact, unless you want to say that you won, because the fact that you won that dance off was basically because it was funny. Yeah. His was a better dancer, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure. You were just funny. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Maybe you could even say that at the end and then say, like, uh, you know, this is the, in the beginning, you can say, this is the story that made me want to do stand up because I was, you know what I mean? Like, you heard those laughs for the first time and you didn't win because you were a good dancer, you won because you were funny. Or not, yeah, not necessarily the made me want to do stand up, but made me want to make people laugh more because of the feeling yeah, like that came you just, from you that. got that feeling of entertaining and making people laugh yeah. so like you're like oh that's what I want to do and maybe that could be the story of how you broke out of your shell and now you're a stand up so you can start it off like that let me tell you guys a story real quick like when you're closing or something like that this is the story of how I you know broke out of my shell I used to be the shy little kid my parents going through divorce when I was 14 and that's how I finally broke out of my shell and decided I want to do stand up blah 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 maybe something like that mm-hmm. if you really want to go into it otherwise there's not going to be any punchline as far as I won mm-hmm and if you say I won and pretend like you were all cool and shit, the audience even knows that you won because you were funny. So because this, they're just like laughing at you, not with you, type of thing. This scene with the dance off, the audience already knows that I have the onesie under my clothes before I tell the audience that I ripped my they do? jacket off. I'm asking you. No, Why? not the not the kids at the school. The audience that I'm ta- I'm talking to on stage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They already know about the thing, so it's not like a shock that's going to come. Yeah, they story. know you had the onesie underneath. Okay. I think that they should know what's under there so when you rip off like the breakaway suit. So, it's, so but they're going to know like it's sort of like a punchline sort of in my head but you think it's okay for the Ripping audience. the suit off? Yeah. And like so a, you like want to save the fa- – so, but then the audience thinks that you walked into the school the whole time wearing a onesie. They don't even know about a jacket or a breakaway suit. Well, I don't mention – I'd say I went to the dance just wearing a, a jacket, uh, track pants. I don't mention the onesie. Until the part where I rip it off, that's why I mentioned that I was wearing a onesie under it. I don't think it's going to work. You don't think so? Why not? We need to know, even, even in the story, you told me earlier on that you were going to the dance in the onesie. You need to tell them that you're going to the dance in a onesie. Okay. Unless you want to twist the story even more and say that uh, something happened to where you didn't have so much confidence. Or maybe like everybody in the whole school thought you were the coolest kid ever because you were dancing in that video and they thought it was so funny but the cool kid Tyson like really like insulted you and brought you made you look bad in front of like some girl that you fucking liked or something like that mm-hmm. then you can go back and surprise everybody with the I mean you know what I mean like it's not going to make sense we so need it is to know better to have the audience know yeah. what's going on I mean again I'd have to hear the whole bit like as a bit uh-huh to to talk about funny if you want to talk about punchlines it's a completely different story this thing needs punching it needs punchline at the end you know what I mean mm-hmm. it needs an ending to close it up so, but I mean, you said we're not working on the, really the content. We're more working on the structure. Yeah. So we can learn how to build the story. Yeah. So you're saying for the structure wise, there's about three parts. There's the beginning part where I talk about how uh, my parents went to the divorce or whatever. Yeah, but you didn't know that you're kind of like not the most popular guy at school. Sure. Yeah. Second part is I get the onesie and I, what happened? I get the onesie and make the video. Goes sort viral. Of goes viral. Third part, last part is the dance off. Yeah, and that's basically the skeleton of the story. So I need to go home and uh, fill in the meat and potatoes. Right. But again, like the, you, like when you make the whole video that goes viral, we need to know like how you dance, do like a little act out, maybe making mm-hmm. yourself look real goofy. You know, we need to know what you describe. Do do a reference to what you might have looked like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so that's good. I like that. I got. Yeah. I got really inspired uh, to write stories from listening to that Gabriel Iglesias uh, special right. where he talks about the magic mic. Because I was listening to it, and I can see him, how he constructed it. I talked about this a while back on like the third podcast or whatever. Like, there's, like, it's like a 25-minute bit or, bit or something, and each like five minutes is like a different part of the story. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I got inspired. Yeah. Well, you yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. So like, that's the basic story structure that you need. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we didn't know who's there. We didn't know who did what. We didn't know where you are. Right. Go into details as little and as much as you possibly can. It's as confusing as that sounds. You know, react no, I got it. I got to it. how you would have sounded. And then, you know, reference things along the way. And everything needs to have a point. And we need to have a punchline at the end. And that's pretty much it. All right. So this has been the season finale 
of prisoner season. A, a basic story structure. Yeah. Stand up writing session, which like I can go into way more than that. It's just like a beginning one. Yeah, we'll have a lot more writing sessions and go deeper into the aspects of joke writing. All right, cool. So once again, thanks everybody for continuing to listen. Please stay tuned. Season two is gonna knock your socks off. Steve Simone coming up next week. Um, all right, you guys. I will be performing next. Where am I going to be performing next? Oh, yeah. I'll be at the Comedy Store on the 13th of this month, September 13th. I think that's a Sunday mm-hmm. if you want to swing by. I'm just doing a set if anybody's in the area on that night and by chance you want to swing by and say what's up. I'll be there. Uh, but most importantly, you guys, it's time to get your tickets for the South Point Casino in Las Vegas at September 18th through 20th to see me perform with Joey Diaz. That's, that's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, one last thing, then we're going to end it. Uh, this Friday, September 11th at the Ice House, Joey's, if you live in Los Angeles and you can't make it out to the South Point in Las Vegas, just swing by the Ice House on Friday because Joey's running through his whole hour that he's going to do in Vegas. Yeah. So if you're not going to be able to make it to Vegas, just swing by the Ice House on Friday and we'll be there. Cool. All right, that's it, man. That's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.